So yeah, so all right, so to, right now we're going to talk about uh, boundaries between you and friends. I love friendships. Any, I mean, come on, really? I love friendships, right? I got some people, I got some people in this room that I consider like brothers. And I mean, it seems like when you find a good friend and they are there, they stick to you closer than family. You know, um, you know, I, I usually tell people that 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 I get super close. Lynn's one of those guys that I'm super close with is I didn't choose my family, but I chose you and you're in my life. And those people that are literally blood is thicker than water. But what I found out that's beautiful is when you're a brother in Christ, you got the same blood. Jesus. And so and so I absolutely love that. Yes. That's right. That's right. And so, um, so friendships are extremely important. And so, um, so uh, how do we define friendships? I really liked what uh, Cloud and Townsend said friendships are. Friendships are non-romantic attachments that are attachment-based friendships, but not functional. <laughs> and so, I know, no, no, that's, this is fun. So, a non uh, friendships are a non-romantic attachment that is attachment-based, but are not necessarily functional. Meaning, you're not my friend because you're good at technology. You're my friend because I like to be around you. You're not my friend because you know a lot about guns. You're my friend because I enjoy to be around you. It's attachment-based. It's, it's not necessarily function-based. Does that make sense? So... So, like, like that, uh, we've got to disclaim that. But why are friendships important? Why do you think of friendships are important? To kill time. To kill time? Okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> Take away boredom? Okay, all right. I mean, it's, there's someone that you enjoy, like, they bring joy to your life. Yep. Yeah. No, no, you, you're good with kill time. You're good with that. You said kill time. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so... Yes. Someone that lifts you up. Someone that, that yeah, lifts you up. Every time I think of that, for some strange reason, Josh Groban comes into my head. <laughs> he lifts you up. You know, I mean, you know. We, they are. Friendships are extremely, are they important? Yes. Yeah, they are important. And it's not just because, I mean, they do, there is an element of time that time seems to fly when you get with these people. And that's a wonderful thing, too. Um, you know, like, I could, like, for instance, I can go to Lynn's office and me and him can sit in his office for like two hours and it doesn't feel like two hours. Made to him, doesn't to me. You know, like, I mean, like, so friendships can be one-sided. No, you know, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> totally joking on that moment. But, you know, like, I mean, but friendships are, are, are they're super important. Uh, you know, God, uh, Jesus says this about friendships. He says, you guys are my friends. And no greater joy in life is to lay down your life for friends. And so friendships are an extremely important part of life. Um, boundaries strength friendships. They can help guide romantic friendships. They can serve you well in marriages, which they can, and, and they can ultimately help you out with every life scenario. These people, you need, you need them. Boundaries with friendships help weed out people that want to hurt and take advantage of your friendship and not cherish it. That's why boundaries and friendships are super important. Now, who are Mickey's friends? 
Goofy and Donald, right? All right, yeah, I agree. Goofy and Donald. So let's see how what they how far these guys will go for each other. Oh man, that's that's sweet. That's sweet that uh that you know Goofy and, and Donald and all them are just they you know they care about each other. It's a it's a cool thing. And friendships care about each other. Did they have to do that? No. no. They chose to do that. And that's what a friendship is. It's when you choose to do sometimes outlandish things. Why? Because the other person loves it. And so, but there has to be boundaries set up in friendships in order to truly appreciate it. There was some boundary uh, infractions, I would say, right here. Because if I was their friend, went all the way to Idaho, I'd be like, I would at least research, where am I going? There's no such thing as potato land, goof. Where are we going? You know, like, no, there is potato land. It's in my dreams. Well, we can't go there. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, and so there's a couple of things that are wrong, but the overall message I thought was pretty cool, pretty awesome. Cloud and Townsend say that friendships, even though it's a broad category, excludes friendships based on a common task. Friendships are compromised, uh, 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 compromised of people we want to be around for their own sake. You ever thought that Donald, Goofy, and Mickey like wanted to be around each other, and they chose to be friends because they liked each other? That's why they're friends. I love that about. I love that about this, and so. So why is it important for a friendship to be based on a person and not a task? Why is a friendship to be important to be based on a person and not a task? What do you think? Because they're always going to fail you at, at some point. Okay. Okay. All right. So when I say friendships that, you know, that are, are person-based, you don't have to say this out loud. In fact, I don't want you to. I want you to say it's in your head. Who's the friend that comes to your mind? Who's the friend that comes to your mind when I say it's a person-based and not, not a task-based thing? And so think about that. This, and that's important to think about, or the people that come to mind. What makes a relationship lopsided in a friendship is when, in, is when people try to, to overtake your boundaries and take advantage of the friendship. If Goofy expected these guys to make him a potato land, that's when the friendship would become lopsided. But because they chose to, believe it or not, they're still within the realm of their boundaries of friendship. They chose to do that. But if Goofy said, no, you're going to make me it because we went all the way to Idaho. Well, that's no longer in a friendship. Now you're in a slavery. <laughs> now it's, that's a dictatorship. And that's not, those are rarely friends. Actually, ever. Never, ever friends. And so what makes a relationship lopsided? Let's take a look at some things. Conflicts arise in friendships when, uh, when, we are a, when we are the compliant friend. The compliant friend is a friendship that interacts and does everything the other friend wants, but never what they want. They never become the person that they want to be. They're always mimicking what others want them to be. They're a compliant friend. Uh, you know, Paul says it like this in Galatians uh, 1.10, in the New uh, Living Translation says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be a Christian. <laughs> I love that verse. <laughs> so, so, but being a friend is, uh, uh, being a compliant friend is basically being a doormat friend. You are whatever that friend wants you to do. And it isn't what God wants. Why do you think that's not what God wants in friendships? Why does God not want you to be a doormat? Because then anything 
Anything goes, okay. All right. You're going to wear out? Why does God want you to find your talents and voice in a friendship? Why, doesn't God, why does God want you to use your talents in your friendships? Jesus says it like this in uh, John chapter 5, verse 30. I didn't try to please myself, but I tried to please the one who sent me. Jesus wasn't a doormat friend. He wasn't a friend that just came on and was like, just walk on me. I just want to be your friend. I just want to be around. Um, and God doesn't like doormat people. And the reason why he doesn't like doormat friendship is because you never become the person that you were meant to be in the friendship. And also, being a compliant friend, is, another reason why it's wrong, in my opinion, is because that you're robbing the opportunity of the person to know your interests. I don't want people to think like me. I want people to, to be a well-rounded group of people. That's what I want. I don't want someone who's just like, I think you should wear this. Oh, I'm going to wear that. Do you like that shirt? No, but my friend does. So therefore, you become, you're, you're, you're not, it's a lie. You're not even the person you want to be. You're living out a lie. And God is not happy with lies. Truth and lies cannot remain in the same place. Have you ever seen a friendship where someone else did everything else or everything that the other friend wanted? Have you ever seen those kind of friendships? How did they usually work out? Why? Okay, yeah, they're abusive. Yeah, yeah. At one time, there's a, what Cloud and Townsend call an uprising in the friendship. <laughs> and the uprising means that the compliant friend found their voice. But you know whose fault it is from the very beginning, who's the, their, why they are that way? The compliant friend. It's because you don't have a boundary that says, I will not be compliant. And if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. And you're robbing people the joy of getting to know who you are. You're robbing people of the joy. And sometimes that's because, and it goes in, like we talked about last night, we think we have nothing to offer. And that's a lie. You do have something to offer. So, how do you set up a boundary with a friend issue like this? Well, as this friend becomes open to their likes and dislikes, they may find themselves separating more and more in the friendship, believe it or not. Uh, you know, if the person is, is going around and the compliant friend's like, like, you know, they've always said, I like to go rock climbing, I like to go rock climbing, I like to go rock climbing, and then the person's like, hey, you want to go rock climbing? Like, I never liked rock climbing. Well, guess what? Now there's a wedge between the friendship, and you may not be friends anymore, and that's okay, but because at least you found your voice. Because you don't want to go through whole life thinking you like rock climbing <laughs> when you really don't. So we, we, when, as the compliant friend finds their likes and dislikes, they, might, they may find themselves separating from each other. And we need to remember that having a difficult friends for difficult, uh, diff, or having different friends for different activity, activities is not a blot on a relationship or a life. It's actually a very good thing. You can never have too many friends. Some friends I like to do woodworking with. This is me personally. I love doing it. I go hang out with an 80-year-old guy named Ken Hager from our church. Awesome guy. I consider him a friend. Me and Ken only do woodworking. Are we still friends? Yeah, because when I go see the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I don't think Ken wants to come with. <laughs> That's okay. It's because we're friends that I respect that boundary. You know. Now, if you ever did, I think that'd be pretty cool. You know. <laughs> 
But he's, it's just not his thing. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be his thing. It's my thing. And so, so I have other friends to go do that with. You can never have too many friends. We get into this lie to where you think, well, I have this one friend. No. No, there's nothing wrong with having different friends for different, different things that you do. It's actually a very healthy thing. And it's very beneficial for us in the long run. Uh, the next thing that we have to look out for, for in com- uh, conflicts and friendship is the aggressive controller. This is a person that feels intimidated and inferior even though they are the ones being controlled for their gifts. Um, James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. We're going to 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Why is being an aggressive friend not being a godly friend? Why is being an aggressive friend not being a godly friend? What do y'all think? Why is being an aggressive friend not being a godly friend? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did not say that up there? No. I did write this, so you need to play that into effect. So... Have you ever been in a non-romantic friendship when someone used aggression and intimidation to control you? Yeah, it ended. <laughs> 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 yeah. Why? Okay. All right. That's one way to handle it. Have you? Did you ever go with it? Yes. How did it make you feel? Yeah, you like you're being used, and that's not what we want to be. We don't want to feel used. That's not a friendship. You know, that's how addictions start. <laughs> it's the truth. That's how, that's how you get into things that you don't want to do, and then you realize that, I mean, that's, that's how I got into drugs. I'm not really fitting with those people, so therefore, I'm just going to do a little bit of it just to fit in, and the next thing I know, full-fledged addiction. This is way better for dealing with my past than what I was doing before. <laughs> it turns out it was worse. It was just way worse. And so... Huh? Uh, well, kind of. We're actually going to get to the passive-aggressive manipulated manipulator next. But yeah. And so this is kind of a person who controls you. But they do use passive-aggressive techniques, you know, to where, you know, I bet you can't pay for my meal. And then you're like, I bet I can. And then you pay for it, you know. And they get what they wanted from the very beginning. That's not a very good friend. Uh, we, in this, how do, we, how do we set up boundary issues against an aggressive controller friendship? We must set limits in this friendship. Let them know that when they try to control you, it wounds the friendship. You know? Um, and this could happen in many different ways. And probably the way that it most comes out in, in, in our area is when you go out to eat with someone and they expect you to pay, but they haven't told you they expected, to, they expected you to pay. So at the very end when the check comes... No one, you know, everybody's got alligator arms, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, the commercial, yeah, yeah. You know, and at the very beginning, and when I'm with those people, I tell them, if you just ask me if I'd get your meal, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But it's the fact that you expected me to buy your meal that I have a problem with, and that wounds our friendship. I let them know that that wounds our friendship. I have no problem with someone coming up and going, I need help. I love to help. I expect you to help. Now I have a problem with it. Your, ba- your lack of boundaries is not my problem. 
That's your problem. Yep. What was the verse for this? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Oh, 19. And so the aggressive friend may feel empathy and remorse and begin to take responsibility for their manipulative behavior if you become vocal on what your limits are. That's friendship that could be saved. The next thing that we've got to look at is a manipulative, manipulative friend. This is a friend that uses your time, energy, and talents, and treasures for their benefit, but they don't use aggressive control. They use passive-aggressive control. Uh, and first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to impure, but to live a holy life. So according to the first, why shouldn't we take advantage of our brother and sisters? Because it's, well, go ahead. Huh? It's because it's wrong to. It's wrong to do that. And God hates manipulation. Go ahead. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6. God hates manipulation. You know, we always come across, and I, 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 truthfully, I, I truly believe this, when we come across and we talk about this, the scripture in Galatians that lists all the sins, you get to a sin called witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Manipulation. All I'm trying to do is create a scenario where the odds come out in my favor. That's witchcraft. It's manipulation. And God hates it. Why does God hate manipulation, you think? You're not honest, okay? It's selfish, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to become God. That's why God hates it. And so that's why manipulation and passive aggressiveness, and that's all being passive aggressive is. I mean, that's all it is, is I'm going to try to get you to do what I think you should do, but make it your idea. You know, and so is there anything wrong with saying, what'd you say? Inception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, while you sleep. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, that's when it gets really weird, you know. We can't, we can't go into, and we, you know, we can't go into this friendship as a manipulative friendship and think, oh, that's a very good thing. Have you ever had a friendship that tried to manipulate you? How did you feel? Dirty. You feel dirty, like you need a shower at the end of it. And you kind of do, because that person just totally took advantage of you. You feel dirty. And so how do you set up a boundary with this friend issue? <laughs> We must confront the manipulative behavior and explain why you want more out of that friendship. The manipulator may not even know they are doing the behavior and they are hurting the friendship. Did you know that? Some people don't even know they're manipulating. They just think that's the way to get it. That's the way it's always been done. That's the way they, they've learned survival instincts and things like that to where, to where that's how they grew up, to where they think that's the best way to have a friendship is to manipulate. And they don't even realize they do it. But when you start calling out that in the friendship, saying, I don't like it, and give specifics when you say it, I don't like it when we go to a mill and you expect me to pay. I feel manipulated and used. When you give those kind of examples, people can look at that and go, huh. And what's it going to require for you to do? Identify where, where it is. It's going to require you to call it out, whatever it is, and confront Whatever it is. That's, what's gonna, that's what you're going to have to do in all these scenarios. Um, 
It's only when we confront and move on can we take responsibility and the friendship grow and deepen. The next thing that we've got to look out for a conflict and friendship in the last one is a non-responsive friend. This is a one-sided friendship that does all the work while the other just coasts. And one party feels frustrated and resentful while the other wonders, hey, what's the problem? <laughs> you know? Hey, you know, what's the problem? I thought you liked just doing all the work. That's why I let you do all the work. You know? Uh, for 2 Thessalonians 3.10, chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says this. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And I don't think this is just talking about work work. I think this is talking about friendships. I think this is talking about like romantic friendships, non-romantic friend, or <laughs> We'll get to not romantic friendships later. Dating life. We'll get into uh, non- you know, friendships right now. Family. If you're not willing to put in the work, don't expect to get the reward. That's what this verse is talking about. And what does this verse have to do with a non-responsive friend? Everything. If they're not willing to put in the work into your friendship, that's not a friendship you need to have around. So how do you set up a boundary with this friendship? Be honest about your feelings. And if the person starts, uh, uh, starts to be a mutual partner in the friendship, the friendship can continue. But if they choose to coast, the friendship cannot. So you've got to set hard set boundaries. Why? Because they are wanting to control, they are, they are wanting you to do all the work while they do nothing. And is that, is that, kind of, is that hard to do? You ever tried to ride a two-person bike with just one person? It's hard. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't. And so, are friendships easily broken? Yes. Friendship is the most, friendships have no external commitment. You're not married to this person. Sometimes you don't even work with this person or go to church with that person. There's no external commitment to that person. So friendships are a much greater risk of the breakup. They are. And so uh, how do we move on from a friendship? Well, there's a couple ways. You grieve, and then you move on. If this was a one-sided friendship, and the friendship took advantage of you, and, was, and there were boundary issues within the friendship, you were not in a friendship at all. You were in a prison. Remember that. You can mourn the person that they weren't, but then you need to move on, because it was never a friendship. You need to move on. How do we develop friendships that aren't easily broken? Cloud and Townsend say, which I agree with them 100%. All friendships need to be based on the attachment rather than some kind of obligation. As an attachment rooted in Christ's love is the greatest and strongest attachment of all. And so, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have the same interests. I got people in this room that I'm very close with and they like children's ministry and I don't want anything to do with that. But I love them and they love me. And we can still break bread together. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus died for us. And we can have a friendship. We can do that. You know? I love that video, Potato Land, because Donald hated potatoes, but he loved Mickey, or loved Goofy. And he wanted to do something for his friend. That's actually a very good relationship, a good visual of what friendships do. And so because of that love is, is rooted and it's strong, 
it fulfills what it says in John chapter 4, verse 17. This is how love, how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Let me read that again. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. This is how love is made complete, uh, complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. When we have a friendship that is based on Christ, that's when the friendships become the most important at all, of all. You can have friendships that aren't based in Christ, but let's be honest, those are very, I mean, those can break up at any moment. And I would also say this, why don't you care about your friend to tell them that there's no hell? Do you really love your friend or are you using them? Because if you truly believe there's a hell and that they could go to it, I would do everything in my power to try to, to help them see that there's a heaven and that Jesus is the way. And so do I have friends that aren't believers? Yeah, I do. But I try to show them Jesus. I try to show them Jesus in every which way. And so it's so important to have a friendship that's based in Christ. So from this, what I want us to do is take a prayerful look at our friendships and ask God to help us determine whether we need to begin building boundaries with some of the friends that we have. So that's our thing on friendship. Does anybody have any, uh, we'll, we'll just open it up for like maybe five minutes worth of questions and kind of get it. Does anybody have any questions about what we've talked about so far? Friendships, families, uh, or last night's self, and some of the boundaries uh, that opened up. Do we have any questions or anything? Yes, ma'am. No. no. I think you've got to be honest about your assessment. In that, you know, you're on, honest about the, the identifying the problem and the solution in that of going, you know, am I making a difference? Am I showing them who, you know, am I trying to show them who Christ is? And if it's not, am I, is my life going to be better? Uh, you know, when, when's the time to set? And I have people in my life, too, that I have reached out for years to, years, and I never burn the bridge, you know. I always keep communication open, um, but I don't do some, some stuff with them sometimes, and they know why. You know, I still have friends that like to go party on, on Friday nights, go out to the bars and all that scene. And I go, you know, I, I love you. I want to be here for you, and, but I'm not going to do that. That's a boundary that I've set up I won't go do. But when things are going wrong in their life, who's the first person they call? Me. Every time. I can tell you that. And every time we go through the talk of going, how's that working out for you? And they'll go, it's not. Then why are you doing it? Nothing wrong with testing friendships. Uh, I I think, personally, there's nothing wrong with testing all of this. I test my relationship with my mom and my dad still. I test my relationship with my, my, me and my wife test our relationship. We always put, you know, there's a a saying that Robert Cox said uh, a while back that stuck with me for years. And it says, if you want to know the thermometer of, of the room, put the thermometer in your own mouth. Oh, temperature of the room. That's right. That's right. If you want to know the temperature of the room, I'm going off script, so there's no telling what I'm going to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you want to know the temperature of the room, put the thermometer in your own mouth. And I think that's an important thing to test. So Kelsey and I, we test our marriage. How are we doing? You know, Kelsey and I, we'll, we'll get into a conversation and going, how are you doing with God? How are you reading? What are you reading? And she'll say the same things with me. And, and, and we're honest. And I'm not reading. Why aren't you reading? Well, I, I've been doing this and this and this. Okay, is that more important than God in our relationship? And we'll test it. 
Well, test it. I think you should test everything. Test your family. And uh, Yes, Lynn, you have something? Uh, I think looking uh, like in your families, or which in, which in just in self, or okay, okay. Let's do let's uh, let's let's break it down in every way. Self, a good way of testing is going. Why am I thinking that way? Why am I why am I thinking this way, and why am I behaving this way? That's a good test question to ask yourself. Uh, another good test question with uh, family. Is a is a question of going why why is this you know if you if you think that if something's a big deal to your family like your fam your folks and it's not a big deal to you why is this a big deal to them you know what test it look at it and going uh, is this a, should I make this more of a priority uh, is grandma's ninetieth bir- birthday really that big a deal test it so sure. Sure. Yes. When I say testing, it is asking questions. It's not necessary. Check, check. You, you can't really, like, put a... Put a, a yeah. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because everyone will, everyone will fail. Everyone will fail. But what, what you do is you look at it and you ask the questions going, why am I behaving that way? Why, why, why do I have this behavior? Why do I have this boundary? Uh, you know, and, and examine that. And, and look at it. And every, an, every aspect is, could be a different answer. So. Examine may be a better word. Yeah. yeah so. You use that example about the, the wife being late and getting ready. Yeah, that was in the book. So. That was a setting of a boundary because he tested in the book what it goes on. And it talks about that story in great detail. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's in the uh, first or second chapter where the guy, uh, the guy set a boundary up for saying, telling his wife, we're not going to be late anymore. I'm leaving at this time. He, put a, he examined it. He examined why, he, why we were being late. It was an issue with, his, with the wife uh, not respecting his, bo- his boundary uh, of time and not caring what that made him look like among his peers. And so he chose to leave her. Uh, that was that was a boundary, and that was a consequence to that boundary. And so, but he did say it out loud. He didn't internalize it and go and go. Guess what? This is what's happening. Guess what I'm doing? He didn't. He he was very vocal about it with his wife. He told it, and his wife didn't think he had the cojones to do it, and he did it. That's really what it boiled down to. And then she realized this is what's happening. So therefore, I need to get with the ball as well, because of how it made him feel. So yeah, that wasn't necessarily. To, that was actually consequence to the boundary. Mm-hmm. And examining these things and, and seeing what, what comes up is, is super and super, I mean, that's extremely important to every scenario of looking at it. And it's really, it's, it's, I think boundaries could be summed up in all of this, is taking every thought and action captive and examining why are we doing what we're doing. Why do I behave this way? Why do they behave this way? Am I willing to put up with that behavior? That's what the boundary is. Yes, they need to have um, You know, I think, I think ultimately uh, the only one that we can do that with is Scripture. And let Scripture determine your boundary. Um, because if it starts playing in the, in the realm of, uh, uh, you know, everyone needs to wear a blue shirt because that's my boundary. Really what we're doing is we're just being selfish and petty. And a boundary can be selfish and petty. 
It really can. You can set up a boundary over selfishness and pettiness and, and then not, you know, and then that be what it is. So I think what's very important is to set your boundaries in the scriptures of what the scriptures say to do. The scripture says, um, the, you know, the scripture have said things like, let's take a, uh, right here that, that uh, in this, uh, you know, this is how we, uh, love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world that we look like Jesus. So the boundary right there, to me, would be we are to look like Jesus. That's, what, that's a boundary that I'm going to set. And therefore, I'm not going to go out on Friday night because that does not make me look like Jesus. I'm not going to do that. My boundary is what the Scripture says. Um, I think uh, even a, a better verse... Um, is for uh, even if we, we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is not willing to work shall not eat. All right, me personally, am I working? Am I doing work? That's a boundary that I need to look at and go, am I doing the work? Am, uh, or those other people in, in my life, are they putting work into this friendship? If they're not putting, that's the boundary. If they're not putting the work into this friendship and want to have a godly friendship, therefore I'm not going to be a friend with them. That's the boundary. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the burden and load thing is a great thing of what a boundary looks like, uh, what a boundary should. And, you know, loads are my boundaries. Those are my things, my attitude, my, my behaviors, my time, my limits, my feelings. Those are my boundaries. I can control those things. What I can't control is the crisis that happens in my life, which is why we're supposed to share our burdens with each other. Does that make sense? So, any other? We'll take one more, and then we'll take a little break. All right, later we're going to take a break. Uh, So, we'll take a break, and when we come back together, we're going to talk about work.